Hey, Josh Felber here from Making Bank. If you have ever thought about how do I get that killer mindset? Am I pushing myself? Am I excelling day in and day out? How do I get to that next level, whether it's business, personal life, whatever that is for you? Today's guest, he is the top MBA mindset coach. He's going to blow your mind. He's going to give you tons of amazing content on what you can do day in and day out to improve yourself, to improve your mind, to have that killer mindset, to go after what you want, have the confidence in yourself to be able to go to that next level. So you got to check out today's episode with David Nurse on Making Bank. And guys, I really appreciate you guys watching the show, uh, loving on Making Bank, and really just listening and tuning in and watching the show. And guys, leave some comments down below. The guests love to see what you guys have to say. Ask the questions. They love to come share answers. And like and share this episode. Share with somebody you know you care about, somebody you know that needs to see this episode. And just really appreciate your time and attention today and just being one of the amazing people watching Making Bank. So thanks again. You are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited and honored for today's guest. He's the NBA mindset coach, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and top 50 worldwide motivational speaker. David Nurse has been transforming the way hundreds of NBA stars play on the court and hundreds of corporate executives dominate in the boardroom for the past 15 years. David is widely renowned as one of the top mindset specialists in the entire world. He has written two best-selling mindset books, runs a transformational coaching business, and is a highly sought-after speaker hired by top Fortune 100 companies and professional sports teams, helping thousands of employees and athletes develop unshakable mindsets. So I'm excited to welcome David Nurse to Making Bank. Josh, thanks for having me on, and you are officially hired as my agent after that introduction. <laughs> Thank you very much. That, that's that's like the radio voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a good radio voice. That was really good. Yeah, a little Barry White in there with some, you know, put you in some voiceovers for some Marvel action movies. I can <laughs> <Right>. say, <laughs> I'll do some Marvels, <laughs> maybe the old Marvels. <clears throat> but, so give us a little bit of your background, man. Like what got you into all this? Why did you kind of go down that mindset path and, you know, coaching and everything? Yeah. So uh, I'll just give you the quick backstory. I won't start from day one of birth in 1987 in Iowa. Now I was born in a small town, cornfields of Iowa, Pella, Iowa. And my, my whole childhood and high school and college was based on playing in the NBA. Now I'm six foot two. I mm. have a leap of about three inches. So my parents probably should have said, David, play tennis or golf, something you have more athletic ability at. But I loved basketball, so I poured every waking hour into developing my mind and my skills in basketball. And I only got so far. So I'm playing professionally overseas, which it sounds really cool to say that, Josh. But to be <laughs> honest, it was more like the the Will Ferrell semi-pro type of league where the, the players are more concerned about where the party is at after the game and drinking beers at halftime than they are developing their talent. But here I am putting in these two-a-days, extra film study, all of it. So I played in Australia, Greece, and Spain. And fast forward to this third season in Spain, I'm playing in the Basque region, like 
nobody even speaks Spanish up there. It's so out there. You see, you hear Spain, but it's, it's cold in the mountains. And, and I get cut from this team after the first preseason game. So mm. we're listening to this. Think about something you've poured a ton of time into, effort, energy, your goals, your hopes, your dreams are taken away from you, flipped upside down. Your head is just smeared around in the mud. That's what it felt like for me. Everything taken away. So I come back, I'm living on my parents' recliner chair. They're living in Kansas City at the time. I'm feeling bad for myself, you know, licking my wounds. Woe is me. Now, my mom always would say these motivational and inspirational quotes. And usually it was, whatever, mom, in one ear, out the other ear. I'm not paying attention to that. But she said one that stuck with me. I was kicked back in the recliner. I can remember this vividly. This is a snapshot moment in my life. She was doing dishes. And she said, David, when one door closes... Four open in an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. And I was like, well, I, I thought it was one door, one door. What's this four doors and beachfront patio overlooking the ocean? But what she was saying is when an opportunity is taken away, it's actually opening up many more opportunities, better opportunities. A door shut is not the end. A door shut is four doors awaiting for you to go get them, for you to open them up for something greater that God has for you. I realized my gifts were not playing in the NBA, but everything I'd learned, my studies, the mindset was to teach NBA players with more God-given ability, seven-foot height than athleticism to be able to play in the NBA. So I decided, Josh, right there, then that moment, I was going to coach in the NBA. Now, what you got to understand is I didn't have any contacts. My uncle is the coach for the Philadelphia 76ers now. He coached the Toronto Raptors a while back and but he wasn't that at the time. He wasn't in the NBA. So I didn't have these connects. So I hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM, sent it out, and I got nothing back. For a month and a half, I got crickets. Then I get a phone call from 310 area code number. That's Los Angeles. It was the GM of the Clippers at the time, Gary Sachs. We had just a normal conversation. And at the end of it, he said, if you're ever out in LA, look me up. We'll grab coffee. Basically, Good luck with the rest of your life, kid. But I took it as an opportunity, Josh. I, I, I booked a ticket to be out in L.A. that next week. I spent all my money. I stole some of my parents' money so I could be out in L.A. And I prepared for the meeting. And I acted like I was doing a basketball camp when I was out there so I didn't look desperate, you know. <laughs> and, and we hit it off. We, it was a great meeting. I, I mean, I can remember walking into his room just sweating through my only button-down shirt that I owned, just so nervous. But every connection has stemmed from that with Gary Sachs. I ended up, when I finally moved out to Los Angeles, after years of running these basketball camps, shooting basketball camps, I lived with Gary. He was in my wedding. He's one of my closest friends. Everything was connected from Gary Sachs. So what that is to say is, for people listening, there's something that you're not taking action on in your life. There's something where you are. Everybody is in where they are today, and they have a vision. Hopefully you have a vision for where you want to be in the future. But there's this gap. There's this bridge. There's this valley of fear, doubt, and uncertainty. The only way over it is taking action. Sometimes taking radical action when you do not know where the results will happen. Taking a shot and you don't know if anybody's ever going to get back to you. Sending out 100 letters. Making 100 phone calls. And I'm giving you permission today to take that shot. Because you might just be one yes away. And it only takes one yes. So we'll fast forward all there. I run a bunch of basketball camps. We could talk all about this. Finally, I get to coach with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm called on with the Nets. And 
I mean, if we want to go down that story, that's another story of the door shutting. We go from 28th in three-point percentage in the league, bottom of the league, to second while I'm there. I get all this New York media, this pub, like, oh, this up-and-coming hot young coach. The GM's talking three-year deal. I thought I was in five years it took to get from that moment, running all these basketball camps, living out of my car, basically, sleeping on friends' couches who did not know I was their friend, sleeping in well-lit Walmart parking lots more often than I'd like to admit, to get to this moment. And then at the end of the season, Josh, new head coach comes on. So what happens when a new head coach comes on? Everybody out the door. Once again, that door is shut. But like my mom, the great philosopher said, when one door closes, four open to an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. And we could go on and now I'm able to have NBA players come to me to work on their mindset, to work on their mental skills. I get to speak all over the world. I get to write books. So what I'm saying is if I was still in the NBA, none of this would have happened. And most importantly, I would have never met my amazing, way cooler than me, beautiful, everything wife that I met when I moved out to Los Angeles. That's cool. So obviously when you when you got to the Brooklyn Nets and they and brought them on and you helped them, you know, start shooting better and everything. I mean, was it mindset? I mean, obviously you're running basketball camps and everything. You know, I guess what skills did you bring to them maybe they didn't have or was it just it was just all mindset? No, I mean, some of it to an extent is technique. Most of it isn't though. A lot of it is self-belief. The player having belief in themselves, a lot of it is eliminating their hesitation that's a huge part part for athletes for individuals mm. in all areas we hesitate we doubt ourselves because we haven't hit everything 100 every single time doubt creeps in so eliminating the hesitation also empowering them in their role so for example there was a player wayne ellington phenomenal shooter just retired from the nba not too long ago and he was shooting all these off the dribble means you're taking a lot of dribbles and shooting step back threes so great shooter, but not shooting his great shots. So to help a player mm. like Wayne, we looked at his analytics. Where was his highest percentages from? Catch and shoot corner threes, meaning he's in the corner, someone's passing it to him, no dribbles. In transition, transitions when the team is running down on offense and he's on the wing. So we focus, Wayne, these are your two best shots. All right, right now you're shooting around 33%. If you keep shooting this, you're probably not going to get a contract next year. You'll probably be out of the league. We want to increase your shooting percentage by shooting great shots. We're not changing him as a shooter, but I'm empowering him in his best positions, which is also giving him a lot more confidence because he knows where his best shots are coming from. He ends up shooting 42%, something around there at the end of the season, gets a big deal with Miami because he decided, okay, I'm going to be empowered in my role, both confidently and knowing where his best shots are. So simple thing, like maybe not, not so simple, but things that change your mind and change your, your confidence level, eliminate hesitation, and just let players like really, you know, believe in themselves. We look at these athletes as superheroes, like they're unpenetrable, like, but they are. They'll hear the news, they'll hear social media, they'll hear the talking heads, and it affects them. They hear their coach say something, and they doubt themselves. They miss three or four shots in a row. Well, am I still good? I've talked to so many players, and you would think it's like a, a second grader who is, is uh, his, his best friend said something bad about him. Like they're, they're that, that, I mean, emotionally driven for the good and for the bad. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you know, like eliminating that hesitation. And I can see that happening a lot in all areas, um, sports. I mean, even in business though, I mean, you, you know, you're reviewing something, maybe you have a great opportunity 
but then you have that hesitation, uh, you, you know, for whatever good or bad, I mean, what are kind of the steps you go through to work on eliminating that hesitation, um, to be able to make quick decisions and, and to, you know, move yourself forward? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always call it the Steph Curry effect. So if you know basketball, Steph Curry is this this guy who just, I mean, he has no hesitation. He might miss 14, 15 shots in a row, and he's shooting the next one. So to eliminate hesitation, and it comes down to this 0.01 second decision that you make, the supplementary motor cortex is what is the part of the brain that is deals with hesitation, whether you have that just small sense of doubt. So to eliminate hesitation first, you have to be incredibly confident in your skills. You have to know your elite skills. So if you don't know what you are on the court for or what you are bringing to the corporation, what your power is, what your God-given ability is, you're going to be searching. You're going to be doubting. So you first have to know what it is. This is what I call the system. What is your system? Who are you? You are not based on your results. Results will always change. In every sport, in every business, results are never going to be 100%. So if you look at, hey, I have to make every shot, my confidence is based and not hesitating on every shot, you're going to miss. So your system, who you are. Now it's your daily habits that you pour in. This is your process, what I call the process. So your daily habits have to line up with your system. Does that make sense? So if I'm a, a yep. three-point shooter, I'm going to work on game speed, three-point shooting. A lot of the times I'll have players work on overspeed training. So if you're, let's say, we can take this example of giving a talk on stage. Give that talk a, a zillion times. Give it without preparation. Give it in circumstances. Give it in public. Give it in more difficult circumstances than you'll actually have in the reality of doing it. And the reality of doing it will become much easier. This is the overspeed training. So working on knowing your system, working on your habits, your process daily, and this repetition Repetition is daily is sorry is the intuition. This is the daily habits creates intuition. This repetition repetition plus your instinct. This is also your intuition. So you have to trust your intuition equals the trust, which equals eliminated elimination of hesitation. So repetition in your system in your process, instinct your your intuition your gut feeling you're knowing that you've you've done this a million times. You're made for this equals you're going to trust yourself. Once you trust yourself, hesitation becomes eliminated. Hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. Because I, I was thinking too, as you're talking, um, our boys race Formula Four and, and national go-karts and things like that. And, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, you they're, they hesitate. I mean, obviously they're only, they'll yeah. be 13 here shortly. So they're only, <laughs> they're still pretty small, but, you know, figuring out how to eliminate that hesitation and have the confidence that they know that the car and, and what they're doing is going to work um, yeah. because that hesitation can cause them to spin out, can cause oh, them man. to lose position yeah. or whatever that might be. But it, it's continuing to, even if the result doesn't work. So what I'm saying is like, you trust your gut, you trust your mm. intuition because your intuition is developed through, you have a God given skill. You work on it system plus process. Now, if there's a point that, that you trust your intuition and it doesn't work, you still have to celebrate that. You have to point that out. You have to call that out. Great job trusting your intuition because it's not always going to work. But if you start sure. to act your intuition, then you will always hesitate. And then you become on the defense instead of on the offense. That's why certain players will play at the end of games in the NBA because they don't care if they miss. They don't care if they turn it over. They're going to play on the attack mode. 
They're going to play in the killer mindset. They're not going to play back on their heels. And if a person gets back on their heels, or, I mean, it's why you see like car accidents on the road. It's not always the person that's going 120 miles per hour. It's a lot of times a person who's very hesitant on making the moves and then they're swerving in and out of the lane. They end up crashing. So it's the, even when your intuition does not create the result that you're looking for, you still have to trust your intuition. You have to basically trust that your process, and this is when you can go back and tinker with it and make the small adjustments, but you have to know your process when you go on to the court, when you go on to the racetrack, that you're not changing during that. You're trusting that. Hmm. And one of the things you kind of mentioned, you know, is that, you know, that killer mindset. I mean, do a lot of the athletes coming in maybe not have that? And then how do you develop that, you know, what, as you're growing as an athlete? Man, great. And, and business even too. Great question. It's one of the hardest things to develop in somebody is a killer mentality because everything in your past, the way that you were raised, it, it, it feeds into that. If you're coddled, if you're just, I mean, everything's given to you, your killer mindset's not going to be as much as if you have to battle for survival, if you have to literally go through challenging situations daily. There is a way to develop the killer mindset. Some people are born with, so everybody's born with attributes in different levels. Some people have, have a higher propensity for being a killer mindset mentality person compared to others. But everything, every attribute that we have is a skill set that can be developed. So it just might take a little more time. So a few things that I do for the killer mindset is, is the, I call it the warrior mentality. We have mm. warrior words. So warrior words mean the words you're not going to say. If I start saying, hey, I can't do it, or even I'm trying, everybody's trying. I get that. Don't say that. Or I'm, oh, I hope this, well, if you're hoping, you're not believing. So take hope is great. Hoping a higher power is great, but not hoping that you're going to get somewhere. So it's these words that you need to eliminate. And I have my players or people that I work with. Anytime you say this word, it's a cue. It's a trigger. And you have to make a tally in your phone or on a piece of paper. So now you start becoming aware of this. It's what Dr. Raymond talks about, the, the automatic, the ants, the automatic negative yep. thoughts. So you have to squash those because without awareness, you can't make any change. So when these happen, when these warrior words that you're not going to say happen, you have to become aware of them. You have to call them out and address them. Now you start speaking differently to yourself because it's not always the thoughts. I mean, the thoughts that you think obviously are important, but it's how you speak to yourself. It's how you convince yourself to be this. Now, the next level, the warrior mentality is this. It sounds cliche in a way, but it's not. So you say, oh, get, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You hear that a lot. Now, most people won't actually give you actions of how to do that. It's a, it's a trendy thing to say, but there's a lot of trendy things to say without action towards it. Now, it's the, it's the George Mumford is a good friend of mine. He was Kobe and Jordan's mental coach. And he said one thing that separated them is every single practice, they would try to do something outside of their comfort zone. They would raise the proverbial ceiling on themselves, even though they could basically go through the motions and cruise because they were the best players on the court, but they yeah. tried to push themselves. That's why they're so uber competitive. It wasn't just on the basketball court, but it was everything else too. So it's selecting something every single day that might be a little bit uncomfortable. It might be making a cold call. It could be taking a nice cold shower. It could be, but continuing to change these up just to give yourself this warrior mentality of, okay, I can do hard things. I can do difficult things is going to help you become more of a killer mentality on the court or in your sport or in your business, because you've known you go, you know, that anything thrown your way, you can attack it and you can overcome it instead of the opposite where 
a lot of us are just, especially nowadays in this, this life that we live, it becomes incredibly comfortable and convenient. Well, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, you know, now we have these, we don't have to remember people's phone numbers anymore. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and I, you, you would have to remember like, you know, 20, 30, 40 phone numbers and stuff if you want to call somebody. And now yeah. it's like, ah, oh, you know, it, it, I think it breaks you down, you know, lowers your mental acuity somewhat because you're counting on your phone to give you directions or to, you know, remember the phone numbers for you and people's information and everything. And so you, you kind of have that dip where you're in the past it didn't used to be. Yeah, totally. And I think everything is a double-edged sword. I mean, we can look at phones and that as being a bad thing, but we can also look at it as a thing of, okay, the things that we don't need to spend our mental capacity. Cause right. time is basically intent uh, is energy intentionality where you pour that you only have a certain amount of this energy intentionality. So if there's things that we don't need to actually be like just generally locked in laser focused on, that's great. But if you use it for the negative, so people will say, okay, the, the, the dichotomy of social media, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. No, it's not. I've been able to use it in a way of putting out great positive messages, sharing mm. stories of encouraging people. So it's, if you look at it from the bad and you're taking these comments in and letting it affect who you are and you're doom scrolling and spending all your time watching other people's lives, which are basically a, a lie because no one's putting all their bad things on social media, then it causes this rift. And if you're spending your time on your phone, like I tell, I tell the youth this, if you literally can put this thing down for a time and go outside and work on your sport or work on your craft, you're gonna be ahead of 99% of the competition because average Americans are on their phone 3.2 hours per day. That's not making phone calls or work. And they're watching television 4.4 hours per day, somewhere around that range, which is crazy mind blowing. That's seven and a half hours spent on that. So right. everything is used for the good or the bad. And it's just the, the, the way you choose to use it. Yeah, no, definitely. So with that, then, you mentioned um, earlier about the mindset and the killer mindset and everything as whether it's business owners or athletes, what's one, and maybe there's one common thread or maybe there's two different between business and athletes, but what's, what's one of the biggest struggles that you find an athlete or a business owner having? Um, and then what is that kind of the steps to break through that or to, you know, move, move forward with that? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I would start with the the self-confidence in who you are. I know we kind of touched on this, but I think it's important to because before you can do anything as a team, you have to you have to know yourself. So, the self-esteem, there's three levels to this. The self-esteem is the self-love, the acceptance of you. Self-confidence is your belief in your abilities, stepping in a room, stepping on a stage on court and believing in your abilities, but the biggest piece that most people miss and a lot of athletes miss, a lot of business owners miss, is the self-efficacy, not just for themselves, but also for the team or the company. It is acting as if today, who you are going to be in the future, who you're gonna to be tomorrow. So your actions, they mirror what your vision is. And without an actual vision, you're not going anywhere. Goals and visions are very different. Goals are just igniters. Goals are mile markers. If I say my goal, and I've talked to, Olympic gold medal winners and the goal was to win an Olympic a gold medal. Talk to them. Hey, did you change? Was it different afterwards? Was your life just amazing? No, the same. <laughs> Those are mile markers of vision. If vision is your life purpose, it's what you can filter every decision through. My purpose is to help people unlock what is holding them back inside of themselves 
so that they can go do the same for others. It's helping you have that unlock to take action. That's my vision. Decisions that I make are going to go towards that. I have different goals. New York Times bestselling author, uh, speaking in front of 100,000 people, like different goals. But even if I don't hit those, that's perfectly fine. Because I would say, here's the difference. This self-limiting ceiling of potential that we place upon ourselves. If I tell uh, somebody who works at a company or a business owner, hey, what are you going to make this year? And they say, ah, you know, 200,000. I'm a 200,000 person. That's their limit. They will not make more than that. Because once they get to that point, they take the, the foot off the pedal. But if they say 2 million, now I'll say my goal is 2 million. You might not hit that, but you sure as heck are going to pass 200,000. You might hit 700,000. Didn't hit my goal, but I'm more than 3x what I actually thought I was at the start. So the, I, I think vision, clear purpose vision is something that a lot of companies and teams, they miss. And they, they assume that everybody knows the constant communication, the constant repeating of the staples of the culture, like the Miami Heat do. I know they just lost in the NBA championship. Their head coach is one of my very good friends, and they always repeat their staples. We're not for everyone. We're different. Like they have theirs, and they keep beating it into your brain because it's the thing that I see with keynote talks that I do, and I love doing keynote talks, but a lot of the times, like I'll go do the talk, but then I check in six months later, and the company isn't doing anything that we talked about. It's the follow-up. It's the repeating mm. communication of what you think is the most important. People need that. They don't. You can't just assume that the people that you're leading understand what you are thinking, and that's one of the biggest disconnects in companies, cultures, and teams. Yeah, that, I, that makes sense. Is one, I and mean, you mentioned like the self-confidence, you know, as well, it is super important. And I guess. Where do you see kind of that lag uh, till that self-confidence catches up, you know, with, with the individual? Well, I think it, it, it comes down to once they understand what they're doing is for a bigger purpose than themselves. So once they put their team on a purpose or they understand that their work they're doing in their company has a bigger purpose than the bottom line, that the dollar amount that they're bringing in. I mean, you could look at this as an example of Chick-fil-A. I'm going to speak to Chick-fil-A. Now, their, their basis is like they're doing it for god for jesus for the kingdom that's right their purpose. everybody is serving like that when they're in the when they're in any chick-fil-a place they're not looking like hey we got to make a certain amount of dollars they wouldn't close on sundays if that was their goal they have <laughs> right. purpose and that's when i mean the self-confidence comes in because you realize it's not dependent on you when you switch the you it's about you to serving and I tell people this, every time you walk in a door, in a room, open that door, look at your hands and say the word serve, it'll be a trigger to your subconscious when you say serve. Now you're going to step in that room and all you're going to think about is serving the people in the room. It takes a lot of pressure off yourself to thinking about what can I get out of this room? Who can I connect with? But how can I pour into everybody in this room? It's a game changer. I know it sounds easy. Oh, serve, serve. But once again, at putting actuality actions towards these cliches makes all the difference. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think that's super important, you know, as entrepreneurs or athletes and everything for sure. What uh, I know we got a little bit of time left. How important for you or your athletes that you're working with is kind of that morning routine? Cause you hear people like, Oh, you know, morning routine. Yeah, it's good. But morning routines that make you successful or it's not going to do this. So, how important is that? And, you know, what are some key things that we should have in there if it is important? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it is important. I, uh, I think it is and it isn't. Once again, it's a double-edged sword. 
Like if your morning routine be, it becomes something that you have to do and the rest of your day is ruined if you don't, then you're losing the battle to that morning routine. It should just be like a supplement. It should be like a boost. That morning routine can help you, but it's not dependent upon. I like to keep it simple and I like to start it off without every kind of text message or email or notification <laughs> coming in. I spend the first 45 minutes without checking my phone, unless I'm on the road and I know my wife. And of course, people listening, if you have kids, it's going to be a little bit different, but you make your rhythm work for you. I get in an ice cold shower to start the day. So it's something that's difficult that I don't look forward to doing. I know that I've, I've developed this 17 seconds rule through working with players for a long time. I'd always bring a stopwatch. And when it seemed like the guy did not want to go through the workout, I'd hit start to see how long it took them, how long the mind could overcome the body for it to actually get through that and be, be okay with it. 17 seconds, what I call the mental dictatorship. So the first 17 seconds when I'm in that shower, I hate it. But after that, I could go for three, five minutes. So I started off with something difficult. Now, I love coffee. I'm a coffee savant, a nut for any kind of great coffee. I love the process. So I just have my mornings where I'm playing worship and praise music and I'm making my coffee and you know, I spend 15 to 20 minutes just going through some devotional stuff and, and literally just sitting there for five minutes, just having a conversation with God. And, and I, I never really hear anything back, but sometimes there's some tugs on my heart to, to reach out to somebody or just shoot somebody a message. So I start my mornings off that way when I can. There's sometimes that I can't and it's OK if I can't. But I want to have just just some staples that I do that I feel like, you know what, this is. I might as well live this life that I want to live, that I feel right. like great life rhythm that, that makes me understand that there's so much more to the business, to the work, to that aspect. And yeah, so I would tell people, make it simple, but also if you don't get to it, don't beat yourself up for it. Awesome. Guys, I hope you guys really listen and paying attention to what David's speaking about today. Uh, make sure you guys are taking those notes. If not, go back, rewind, listen, watch this again, and <clears throat> really start to break down what he's saying from the killer mindset to confidence to you know overcoming things that are going to help push you forward and make you you know better in every day and what you're doing, whether it's in your business, maybe it's a sport or something that you have going on. So go back and take those notes, David. Since we just got a couple minutes left what's something like, oh man, I really wanted to make sure we cover this today or I want to share it with the audience um, about something that's going to help them uh, before we wrap up. Yeah, totally. Great question. And 8% of people achieve their dreams, achieve the goals in their life, their vision, like we we're talking about that they want. 92% do not. The reason they don't is because of fear. Fear mm. is, the, is what causes us to have inaction. Now, like I talked about earlier, everybody's in one spot they're in today. There's something somewhere they want to get for tomorrow. So my biggest thing is, and I this is the book that I just wrote called Do It, The Life-Changing Power of Taking Action. And it has nine action archetypes. So think about the Enneagram or some kind of personality test. This is the action version of that. The Enneagram makes you aware of your personality types. These nine action archetypes like the alidaxophobic, which means fear of other people's opinions, the burned, burned by the past, the inopportune, you're too young or too old, the perfectionist, the underestimator, the scarcity mindset. So the reasons you become aware of this roadblock, who most, most of us, we don't really know what our roadblocks are, but you become aware of what's going on in your brain, what's going on in your heart, what's holding you back, 
from the person you are today to your full alignment with God who he's created you to be in the future. And that's one of the biggest things that I want to get across this. Like it, we are our biggest defenders and it's the, the, the reason we don't achieve what we want is not because we don't have the, the skills. We don't have the tools. We weren't born into the right family. We weren't fill in the blank. It's because we don't take action, strategic, radical action. That's great. That's super awesome. And we can grab a, your copy of your book on Amazon. I know you have a couple other books on Amazon as well. Yeah. Anywhere books are found, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Yep. Audiobook. If you want to hear me read it to you in that, in that Marvel, Barry White. So, no, no, you got a much better voice than I do, Josh. <laughs> you want to uh, hire me to read them for you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next one. There we go. There we go. Cool. No, that's awesome. I guys really listen to what David's talking about today. He shared some amazing content. Uh, where can they connect with you at website or email or whatever you want to share with them? Yeah, sure. DavidNurse.com is a website. I run a transformational coaching group. It's a small group called the 1% Squad. So we're taking 1% steps daily together with this amazing community. We've had just super cool success stories from that. So that's something if you want to dive deeper, I mean, social media, David Nurse NBA, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff. The podcast, The David Nurse Show. I think just type in my name and I think I come up as the, the Wikipedia person now. It used to be a, a an England soccer goalie who had the Wikipedia, but I think I've overtaken him now. It's the biggest accomplishment of my life right there. <laughs> you just kept pushing and dropping content and you finally overtook him, right? Yes, there it is. <laughs> Nobody knows who the other guy is anymore. Yep. It's gone. Wiped off. Awesome, man. Well, David, thanks for coming on Making Bank. An honor to have you on the show. Shared some amazing uh, things today and just appreciate your time. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, guys. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.